Get the jet ready. We're going to Vegas. Welcome to Pod at the Montecito, the world's premier podcast discussing the hit NBC television show Las Vegas. I'm one of your hosts, Judson Clark. And I'm your other host, Eddie McCarthy. Judson, what's good, my man? Where it's March, baby. Get out the mustard yeah. and the pizzazz. It's madness. This this is March. Sadly, while it will bring us brackets and so much shooty hoops, it once again does not bring us what we want when it comes to Peacock. No, uh, you see, they're they're making way. They didn't want to pull focus from Yellowstone season four, which great show. But, you know, coming off that Olympic high, thought we were going to get Vegas. Nope, we're getting Yellowstone season four. Maybe April's are. I can't even say it with confidence anymore. We're just we're getting fucked with our pants on. Yeah, uh, Yellowstone can go to hell. I it's not looking good, man. I am feeling less and less confident that this is our year. <laughs> And we only have two left, so we need Peacock to get their act together. Yeah, the uh, I, I got a hunch how I think that bet's going to go at this point. Well, speaking of cocks, shall we talk about today's episode? <laughs> That's a fucking segue, ladies and gentlemen. It's season three, episode 11, uh, Down and Dutty. Oh, didn't like that. Pepsi. I like that. Why can't you see what you're doing here? What you doing to me? We start with everyone super horny, fairly creepy, and the notion that Bella Petto has gone full nude because these women are just dropping trow and diving on in. Anything goes. We're fucking in elevators. We've got boobs on display in the lobby. People are naked in the pool. Cats and dogs living together. Total mayhem. Turns out it's because there's the knockoff version of the AVN conference or convention in town. And so it's porn stars, as far as I can see. And apparently, even when they're not being paid for it, they just want to fuck everywhere. Who knew? You know, they say when you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. So they're just practicing what they preach out there. But they also say, you know, if you give away the milk, no one's going to buy the cow. So you're just going to fuck in public. You know, what do you that's not going to do anybody any favors when it comes to the P&L. You know, phone cameras weren't what they are now, so... That's you true. can still sell it to the the masses. And famously, there are no cameras in the Montecito. Not when you need them. <laughs> Big Ed is not thrilled that Casey has booked this convention clearly without discussing it with him. But how is it possible that Ed is surprised? Is there not like a calendar in the break room that's like upcoming conventions and conferences at the Montecito? Does he not see the signage advertising it in advance? Is there not endless corporate meetings he's having to sit through? Yeah, especially now that he's on the board, you would think this would have come across his desk. But there has been such mayhem lately that he might have seen on the calendar APAC and doesn't know what the hell that is and doesn't think he has a reason to investigate it until, you know, someone's fucking on craps four. At least with a craps table, you're keeping it contained. You know, the rail's going to keep the fluids all in one location. Like if you fuck on a blackjack table, it's like just things are going to go everywhere. And God only knows what happens if you get close to the roulette wheel. Uh, I'll tell you what happens. It spins jizz everywhere. Oh, uh, yeah, that does seem like that's how that would go. 
Centrifugal Jizz, welcome to the episode title. <laughs> That's look, I know I know the producers work hard on the name titles, but that that's the best episode name we've had in quite a while. So sometimes they just write themselves. <laughs> Sam tracks down Casey and is pressuring him for what she calls her half of the casino. And she must have her horse blinders on because she's not picking up Casey's word choice and his tone of voice. And she's about to get fucked like Christopher Reeve coming over a horse jump. Yeah, I think we all saw that one coming. Casey, I mean, well, when, Christopher whenever Reeve did somebody, not. Uh, his well, horse might have, but are we now pivoting to the horse did it on purpose? Because I'm pretty sure the horse died. I mean, is this a, is this a kamikaze horsey situation? This is a horse martyrdom situation. <laughs> horse oh. bones met, melt steel beams. I think is <laughs> two phenomenal episode names just right off the bat. We haven't even gotten started yet. Jesus. Yeah, anytime somebody drops a I want you to get everything that you deserve, your ears should perk up a little bit. Like that something ominous this way comes. I mean, if if not if you're not I get if she doesn't want to get suckered into a course correction, but like maybe just ease off the gas. Just lift. You don't have to hit the brakes, but just lift a little bit. Really think you know what? Let's put a pin in your million dollar offer. I have to take a shit and just go sit on the toilet for five or 10 minutes and really think through what am I missing here? Well, the you know, the good news is, is she's already locked down the presidential suite. So she's heading up there to take a powder. Maybe she's going to look back through the paperwork, make sure that she got, you know, T's cross eyes dotted. Narrator. She does not. <laughs> we go from post-marital bliss to a lovely poker tournament in the Montecito. Which your hosts swear to God they've podcasted about in the past before. But just in case, let's do it one more time. We've got the biggest prize pool ever. Mike and Danny are watching intently, especially Mike, given his, you know, slight gambling addiction. But with $10 million on the line, Howard Letter, our super guest that eh, maybe like 5% of the viewers are going to pick up on. And a schoolgirl are at the final table for $10 million. Well, a school teacher. She's not like a 17-year-old in a Catholic schoolgirl uniform. We were talking about a porn convention. You know, the mind got locked. Sorry. That's that's on me. That's that's my, that's my foul. Yeah, so they're down to the final six in this $10 million. And this rookie school teacher, Miss Julie, is a dark horse. No one's heard of her. She won her spot in a online satellite satellite tournament and we see her bluff Howard letter out of his hand and then show a five two off which gives mike the biggest confused boner he's ever had in his entire life because just a god tier bluff on and for those who don't know howard letter was at the time and i'm sure still is like one of the best poker players in the world this was kind of mid world series boom so everyone's all in on it and <laughs> that's unfortunate that's 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 two on number th- on number 31 here we're I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to the bench for a couple that's, minutes here that's a quick two are we in the college uh, foul system or the i guess we're pros so we're, yeah, we're, we're far too old for uh, college yeah you know that's maybe my, season that's one. my first 
God, man, we're going a lot, a lot tonight, boys. It's a real choppy game. But uh, Letterer is the professor. That, that was his nickname, both in the show over and over and over again, and actually in real life. And he was noted as always being like very cold and calculating. And so for him to just get bluffed off a huge hand like this was, I mean, Mike was right to be shocked. But I think the fact that she flips over her cards, which is a real rookie move or a gigantic fuck yourself move, is the head turner. Like, oh, all right, this woman is a lunatic. <laughs> Ed and Casey are going to have a little chat about the convention going on. Ed wants it out. There's too much. You know, you, you don't want to be having a nice dinner. You just drop 300 bucks and you see some pair going at it like a couple of rabbits in the fucking fountain outside. Like, let's, what are we doing here? And here's where I'd like to interrupt to say, in Vegas, I'm not so sure if that's correct, Big Ed. Like, provided they're hot porn stars, I think most people are going to view that as additive. Like, okay. Dinner and a show. Free sex show? Don't mind if I do. We, we've we seen considerably worse entertainment at the Montecito over the years. This, you know. Ben Laden. And just let me say that the name on a less creative type might be considered a negative. Casey calls Ed a prude, which Ed doesn't take too kindly. And given his gondola fornication history... I think he has good reason to say he's not, but Casey agrees. You know, we got PR issues. We got ladies flying off buildings. We got things exploding. We have hostage situations like once every month. We got to change things up. I know what we need. We need a new commercial, Ed, and you're the new face of the Montecito. So this is twice in three minutes that Casey has pretty like suspiciously quickly folded and if this strikes you as odd viewer, it's because this is the first chess player we've seen in quite a while on the show. Like everyone on the show plays a lot of checkers and Casey's like, <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, do what you got to do about the porn convention. You're right. You're totally right. By the way, I've already hired this PR campaign and you're the face of it. Got to go by. And also, we're not actually going to get rid of the porn convention. Sorry. I mean, he's like, do, do what you got to do. But they're already here. I mean, what are you going to do? Kick them all out? No. I mean, did you see the huge display of vibrators in the ballroom? Do you know how much time that would take to get out of here on short notice? I mean, think about this is like the drink stirrer convention, the whizzy stick, whatever the fuck they called it. But Swi swizzle sticks. Swizzle stick, but much larger. I mean, you, you need Portland Dangler sized drinks to make all those dildos work as swizzle sticks on this one. The problem is when you get the porn star that calls his dick a swizzle stick because of a horrific accident he had with a hot tub growing up, you get a little copyright infringement there. Well, and not to mention you get pushback from the pork industry because the pigs have the corkscrew dicks on lock. Or I thought that was ducks. ducks. I'm pretty sure that's ducks. Yeah, pigs, pigs just have, have the corkscrew tails. tails. Yeah. Well. It's why, it's why ducks and pigs can't get along. You can't corkscrew a corkscrew. Anything's a dildo if you try hard enough. <laughs> That's our third potential title. We're just going to be using titles from this episode for like the next eight. And people are like, what the, f what do corkscrew dicks have to do with an art robbery? This show got weird. This show started weird. Oh, that's true. We're filming the TV commercial in question with the quintessential that guy, Barry Bostwick, behind the camera playing director Martin. I found the most interesting part of the scene to be that they're keeping Monica's jingle is like a backing track for Ed's narration. So that's what that's what you found most interesting about this. 
Not yeah. the universe folding in on itself once again, Judson. Well, no, that was the greatest part of it. But the most interesting part was from a creative decision was that they're keeping that jingle. And I was like, you know what? I'm glad we all see eye to eye. That jingle slaps. It's a banger. Absolute banger. Martin is doing a yeoman's job. He's trying to pump up Big Ed. He's freaking out about something as simple as a walk and talk. And Martin's like, you're fine. You're doing great. It's like when Sonny was talking to his brother in The Godfather. Never saw it. Famously played by one Jimothy Kahn. Judson, have you... I'm not even going to ask the question. I'm going to assume you've never seen the movie Last Action Hero. Is that correct? Correct. I thought you were going to say that you assumed I'd not seen The Godfather and I was going to be... I mean, 60-40. I have seen both The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2. Look at you. Budding cinema critiquer, Judson Clark. And, as I am told to do, I have not seen The Godfather Part 3. It's wise. It's not good. I bring up Last Action Hero because we, we already had the MCU, the Montecito Cinematic Universe, implode on us once with Paris Hilton. And you could think, oh God, oh no, here we go again. But Last Action Hero gives us an out here. Because okay. in that movie, a little kid gets sucked into an action movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. But in the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger's just the character. And they have a scene where they go to a blockbuster and they have a big Terminator stand-up, but it's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. It's Sylvester Stallone in the movie universe. So I think what we've got going on here is that Las Vegas is now in a last action hero situation of the real world. And instead of James Conn as Sonny, it's... I don't know. I didn't think that one out, but it's just somebody else. <laughs> it still exists in that universe, but with somebody else because James Khan doesn't exist in that universe. Who could it be? Uh, the problem is anyone that makes sense is already in The Godfather. Maybe it's also Sylvester Stallone. Man, Sonny got fucking huge. And way younger, I think. But this also doesn't work because Frank the, he's, Sonny, or Stallone is now Frank the Repairman. So now it's just Arnold uh, Schwarzenegger. It's Schwarzenegger. Yeah. yeah Schwarzenegger is Sonny. That, that was the, the plane yep. that we needed. Got it. In four. Does it explain how the Austrian guy is old Italy mafia? But, you know, because has, has Schwarzenegger ever done anything other than his own accent? Ever? In anything? Uh, I mean, Conan was not Schwarzenegger's accent, but... Like if Schwarzenegger was doing his accent as a caveman, so, which still counts as different. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So that, there's your answer. Schwarzenegger is sunny. And that explains why Big Ed's never seen it, because that's terrible casting. Oh, it doesn't make any sense. Looks ridiculous. Ru ruins the whole film. First time he saw Sonny, he's like, this is preposterous. Turned it off. I could do this job better than him. I'll wait till the third one. I hear that's when he gets good. No, no, no more. Mary does appear to be the hotel manager for realsies this time because she is policing the unauthorized bottomless nudity at Bella Petto, going so far as to remind one seemingly well-endowed gentleman that the name of the pool isn't Bella Penne. When a room service employee finds her and says, hey, we got a situation here. We are fresh out of Jello, and some room just ordered three gallons of it. And I thought to myself, what a delightfully weird order to place because that feels like both far too much Jello and not nearly enough for. Yeah, for what you're expecting out of 
some kind of jello wrestling fornication shenanigans, three gallons does not seem like enough. Yeah, because if you're eating it, it's way too much jello. So much jello. If you're doing anything else, not enough by a large margin. Yeah, that's going to be it's a very small jello wrestling ring. It's like like a fishbowl, like, like a small aquarium of jello. What am I going to do with that? I mean, you're not going to have fish for very long. Not with that attitude. <laughs> Anything's an aquarium if you try hard enough. Use the fish as the dildo. <laughs> that Pete is not going to be pleased with that. Back at the poker table, Danny swoops in to make a move on Miss Julie. Mike's busting his balls about it when he finds a little tiny battery. He's like, oh, this is obviously an earwig. There must be crime afoot. Just couldn't be a hearing aid or a fucking, you know, car key fob. Like, nope, crime. I see a battery, crime. When, when Mike's poker sense is going on, something has to be afoot. They pop out to the TV truck to understand more about the process. And this basically just exists to serve as a primer for a television audience that at that point in time hasn't seen 4,000 televised poker tournaments. So they're like, oh, what are hold card cameras? Blah, blah, blah. But the punchline is producer and the tech guy are confident. No one's hijacked the feed. It's impossible. They're the only two that are allowed access to the truck, including you two. So get the fuck out. Take it up with the network if you don't like it. Yeah. The producer does not seem to want anything to do with any investigations on his tournament. He's here to put a, put on a show, and that's all there is to it. What I found kind of weird about this was he acted really like harried, like he was busy, but the tournament was on a break. So like, what the fuck's he doing? He's He's producing ostensibly a sporting event. It's not like there's any more prep work he can do. He's sitting in a truck calling TV cameras like, you know, ready three, go three, pushing on two, go two. Yeah, I guess since they said they weren't broadcasting live, they were editing stuff. I that that is going to seem like one of the first of several questions we probably aren't expected to be asking. Well, so actually, I bring that up because I think this is an instance where we are. I think they have, especially if you think you've already seen it like we have, they have a relatively straightforward crime taking place. And so I think they throw up a lot of deliberate roadblocks mm. and potential alleyways for you to go down. And so I think they set up this TV producer as like a, hey, hey, nothing to see here. Move the fuck along. Slam the door. It's like, oh, maybe this guy's in on it. Yeah, don't don't look at me, Scooby-Doo. I'm definitely not old man Merle in a mask. Exactly. I'd buy it. I'd buy it. We get a quick little jaunt of Mary and Delinda complaining about, you know, the doing their jobs, doing their jobs in the middle of an orgy, essentially. I mean, worse places to do your job. Hmm, there's I guess better, depending though. I guess depending on your job, like surgeon probably don't want to do that in the middle of an orgy. Custodian would just be your the job's never ending. Um, hibachi cook, though. Pretty sweet to do that in the middle of an orgy. Uh, as, as long as nobody gets too close. But, well, that's on them. True, true. As far as he's concerned, he gets to flip shrimp into some really interesting places. <laughs> A target rich environment, Jerry. Mike and Danny are walking through the casino and Casey's going to come up and say, hey, just got a call from the old poker producer. Said y'all were harassing him. Danny and Mike, of course, are like, come, come on. We, we thought there was crime afoot. We're just doing our jobs. Casey says, look, don't fucking worry about it. But Casey, it's your $10 million on the line. 
excellent point, thinks Casey, but it's all good PR, and I don't really give shit who wins the 10 million. It's no longer going to be my 10 million. Somebody cheats? Eh. If somebody wins it honest? Meh. Is the Montecito's name going to be on the tournament no matter what? Yes, sir. Let it slide. And look, I mean, I, we're going to get to this another time, but principles are expensive. Casey's not a man who's got time for principles. This is great PR. I'm getting my money's worth. I don't care. Like, if it's my money, imagine a situation in which I'm not pressing charges. You cannot prosecute. Yeah, I mean, if he he put $10 million on the line to have his name on the box, he the the fairness of the game is not Casey's goal here. He is not a pokersman concerned with finding the greatest card sharks in the world. Now, I think you could make a credible argument to Casey if you wanted of, hey, this is short-term PR gain, but long-term potential for PR nightmare if it finds out that we got clowned. And they kind of hint at it, but they don't make it forcefully. And even if they had made it and he says, I'm not worried about it, then okay, that's that. It's his show. Danny was already not particularly concerned with all this. And Mike was kind of going off on one of his real Mike tangents. So they didn't really have a whole lot of a leg to stand on anyway. So probably better that they let it go, which definitely won't come back up ever. I'm sure. Mike's obviously going to let it go. He's he's definitely not going to hold on to this, despite the fact that he's got a legitimate security concern about to slap him on the balls like the chin at a porn shoot. No, I got that. What is going on with me today? I mean, in in the way that a a face slaps back at a hand that strikes it, you're you weren't wrong. It takes two to tango. <laughs> anyway, a poor director has lost his bronze Woody. And this is their version of the Oscar. He won it last year for some, like, I think, best hetero film or something. And it's a $25,000 diamond encrusted donger that went missing from his hotel room. And he is pissed. He's he's calling down insurance. He's he's also dealing with a whole lot of allergies with all the sniffling he's doing that is definitely not referencing that he is probably a huge cokehead. I thought it was very, we'll, we'll get it at the end as like a suggestion from one of the suspects. I thought it was very bizarre that Mike and Danny didn't stop to consider that this was an inside job. Like, especially from the aforementioned swizzle situation. Like, we know that things are not always what they seem. You know, vice president moving up in the world trying to steal a swizzle. Like, we've seen guys with the diamonds get stolen and there's insurance money involved. Like, FBI with the star of cashmere, not for a second did they consider inside job. They're like, nope, had to have been a third party for sure. Well, I mean, you've got to give them some leeway because they had about 15 Viagra jokes they had to get off first. And there's, you get into a almost paralysis by choice with the bevy of comedy opportunities they were presented with. So, That's fair. You know, they'll they'll think of it later. A, a, a post-coital haze gets over and they'll be good to go. And that's why they're never going to make it in the porn industry. You got to have better endurance than that. <sighs> you know, it, it's funny. We get both an invitation for Danny in this episode. And as we'll hear in next week's episode, Mike may have his own connections to the industry. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Ed is just 
losing his mind, trying to practice his lines in the makeup chair as we've already seen twice, I think. Uh, they need a lot of makeup on this shoot. But he's bitching at the director, doesn't understand the script. What's my motivation? Yeah, how do I, how do I really sell the Montecito? What is my character's background? Yeah, what does the word discerning even mean? Which, come on, Ed, you should know that. We get a weird Liberace reference midway through, but Jillian's here, excited to see Ed, and then much more excited to see director Martin. We're getting all sorts of hugs and handsiness. Apparently they go way back. Yeah, from the days when she was a model and when her and Martin fucked. Yeah, the the descent of Ed from not pleased that they know each other to way less pleased that they knew each other very well to considerably less pleased that they used to date and he knows about a birthmark very, very high up on her leg, apparently. Like, so high as to be inside of her? Uh, it's, it's in a sensitive area, it would seem, from Ed's reaction. <laughs> but we'll find out that Jillian was a model, and so, come on, Ed. Like, you don't think fucking half the Western world has seen her birthmark? Come on. Yeah, Come it's on. not a je jealous Ed rearing his ugly head once again. It's like being Christian Horner and being pissed off and someone's like, yo, I beat off to pictures of your wife. Like the Venn diagram of people that are going to get that joke is so, so small. And it makes me, you and so, me so, so happy. There's like there's probably dozens out there. I don't think any of them listen to this. We, we normally cover this at the end, but listener, if you understand the reference, please get at us. Pod at the Montecito at gmail.com at Montecito pod. We, you're our people. Well, let's chat. Maybe there's a guest host spot in it for you. Who knows? We come out of commercial with Mike, Danny and Mitch going over the camera outside of our porn director's room. Mitch is just loving life. He is rock hard watching all of the porn stars going in and out. He's loving it. Even Mike says that this whole porn stuff creeps him out. Mitch, undeterred. And he wants to play a little truth or dare. What's the naughtiest thing you've ever done in bed, guys? Real weird. Yeah, I guess Mitch just read the latest episode of Cosmo and there's like 15 questions you can ask with your girlfriends. And he's like, this will be a fun opportunity. Needs uh, again, I need some bonding time. The more these guys like me, the more episodes I'll get to show up on. The fact that Mike is putting it into it is a, a real sad reflection on his ability to close. Like he talks a big game, but when all of a sudden, all of a sudden it's time for receipts, Mike's like, no, 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 no. Focus, focus up here. We've got work to do, damn it. This is important. They find a guy dressed in a Montecito employee uniform coming out of the room with what very clearly appears to be the stolen goods wrapped up in a fucking pillowcase or something. And Danny's like, wait, 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 zoom in on that. Okay, that ID badge. Yeah, that's not him. I'm going to run this down solo because for some reason I'm going to authorize Mike to chase down the cheating angle at the poker tournament. Not a great look for the new boss, Danny, who just gave you that generous raise. Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of a way to explain this one away, and I just, I just don't have one. That was a bad call by Danny. You got to got to follow that order. If he wants to be good boss Danny and he wants to let his employee run with something, take initiative. I think he can do it, but he has to go in it very carefully. 
and Danny's got to have to sit him down and be like, Mike, okay, here's the deal. You can sniff around with this. I'm going to give you an hour or two, but you can't talk to anyone involved in the tournament before you set one foot out of security. You run everything by me, full fact pattern. And if it's not fucking airtight, I'm cutting it then and there, and you're going to have to be good with it. Yeah. A little, a little discretion. That's all we're asking for here, Mikey. And so it's just like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Go for it, Mike. Knock yourself out. I'll go take care of the only crime that we're actually aware of. I'll, I'll go do the actual job we're supposed to be doing. A fresh. God damn it. Freshly. Fresh? Cream fresh? I hate. Oh, this might be the last episode. Come on, Putin. <laughs> hit, hit us with that real big one. Come on, Vladdy. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure middle America is going to be his first target. A freshly bathed Sam is enjoying some self-care in the presidential suite when Casey comes up with the champagne she ordered. And after some flirting and light sexual harassment from her boss's boss, she's presented an offer. Keep going down the path that you're clearly misunderstanding or accept one million U.S. dollars. At first glance, you know, Casey says, look, either take the money or you can have your attorney look things over and we can or we can settle it here. They, she already signed it. You already signed it. Everybody, the, 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 the cart's out of the barn, man. Like, can't really put that toothpaste back in the tube, can we? Aren't horses in barns and carts are with what the wagons? Well, no, the horses are tied up to the carts to then take them out of the barn too early. <laughs> that's how, that's where that phrase comes from. Everyone knows this, Johnson. Clearly. Crim fresh. Crim fresh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's trying... A number of times and a number of different ways to stress that, look, Sam, you don't understand what's going on here. You're out of your fucking element, Donnie. So you have no frame of reference here, Donnie. You're like a child who wanders into Walter, the middle of a movie and wants to know. Walter. Like, this is not your game. And this is what I realized, like, oh, Sam didn't have her lawyers prepare the divorce papers. She got some boilerplate shit off of the Internet and... I guess Casey either got lucky or recognized it from divorcepapers.com. Casey got very, very lucky because, you know, luckily for him, Sam was just thinking, we're from Nevada. So halvesies. This is fucking bananas. We already harped on Casey last week for not having lawyers review what he's about to sign. But, you know. And this is dumb, guys. This is not I'm not countermanding our earlier advice, but I get it. If he felt pressured to sign, emotions got the better of him. He wasn't thinking. Sam knew what she was doing. She initiated the divorce. The fact that she wouldn't go to a divorce attorney and say, hey, I might have an angle on a billion dollar half of a two billion dollar property. Want to, you know, that that's worth the 0.4 hours it'll take to read that one page. Kids, we could just do the advice now. Same song, different verse. What are you doing? This is not that hard. Oh, my kids. God. Oh, you know, a little a little legwork on the front end goes a long way with this legal shit. And also the fact that the attorney like so we'll get to this. Sam's fucked. They got married in Hawaii, which is not communal property. Casey knows it. She doesn't, apparently. But the thing is, if she'd gone to a lawyer, lawyer would be like, oh, you're married in Hawaii? No, you're screwed. And since you got separated, you can't demonstrate that any of this belongs to you. She still could have gone to Casey, who was offering another shot at marriage and 
running the Montecito's partners, done that shit for six to 12 months, and then be able to demonstrate that she contributed to their marital worth. Yeah, you just re-up your time card for a little bit and then you're good. Like she wasn't all of a sudden going to love him. But I mean, she is. And I think she would tell us this if she were on the podcast. Sam, not Vanessa. I want to very clearly distinguish what I mean here. (laughs) Sam would tell you she is a prostitute. She will do whatever it takes for money. And like and also just a little bit of a sociopath to where pretending to be with somebody for six months that you don't actually care about for all this money and power is right in her wheelhouse. Especially when she knows that he's always traveling. So yeah, you know, she fucking plays footsie and hide the salami for a week and then he bounces off to some other location and she stays behind to watch their their hotel. Easy. No way Sam doesn't do this. (laughs) This was a a writer room B play? Well, no. I don't think this is a problem with the writer room. room. This is a problem with Sam thinking she's the smartest kid in every room. And God. Yeah. Again, going up against the only chess player we really see on the show. Yeah. The shit's chess. It ain't checkers. Casey... Having given, you know, I don't know, three, four more chances is going to try and take his glass of champagne and leave. But Sam makes sure that that glass stays. She's going to get that full bottle, which, hey, at least she got a nice couple days in the suite and a bottle of champagne. He should have stood in the door, taken it to this dome in one chug and then set the empty glass down. One hundred percent. Yeah, I'll leave the glass, but I'm taking the champagne in my belly. Bye. Mike is back hard at work. Trying to study who's well, who's well, my Mitch cheater. is hard at work. Mike is just sitting there barking orders. Mm, a, f- a fair point. Never want to disparage young Mitch. Well, it's important because later on I'm about to drag Mitch through the fucking mud. <laughs> <laughs> Mike thinks he's caught his culprit. Sees somebody there with an earpiece. That's right. I knew when that battery got dropped earlier that somebody had an earpiece. We got him. And then he's little hitch on his nose must be signaling to somebody like maybe the guy in the front row that's looking the other way and couldn't see the signal in any way shape or form that's got a backpack with a bomb in in it it. (laughs) (laughs) they fucking x-rayed the image in like why don't they evacuate the hotel and casino any other episode that is a bomb like oh my god if you take that shit through TSA, they will tackle you to the ground. I mean, you're you're gone. Yeah. You're not ta- you're not going to see or talk to anybody until you're already at Gitmo. Mike thinks he's found the smoking gun. They check to see who won the pot. Sure enough, it's school marm. She's about to go down hard. She's the big cheater. Fucking Mike's vindicated. Fist pumps. Sucks to suck Danny. Boom. Go to commercial. Mike's a winner. Everybody's happy. And we come back fittingly. With our young school teacher, Julie, Mary and Dee are carrying a whole shit ton of flowers for her that Julie says are from her third grade students. Those flowers looked expensive as hell. Those were not from school children. Those were from the parents of those children who either want a piece of Julie's Kit Kat bar or want their struggling child to get better grades when Julie comes back with fuck you money. And it's just handing out A's and B's for everyone. Yeah, real easy bribe time. Because you got to get it in now. Because if you wait till afterwards, she's going to be like, fucking $120 flowers? Who gives a shit? I'm a millionaire, bitch. Fuck yourself. Also, who's little Stevie? That That's teachers are poor. I'm not poor anymore. I'm out. 
we could debate all we want how much teachers should make, but I know what they make, and it's less than what I need now. Bye. <laughs> that shit wouldn't last you two hands in my game, baby. Which is funny because we also find out that this lady has no poker experience at all. She's made it down to now the final four participants that she entered on a lark because her grandmother was sick and needed to move to Florida or something. A weird sob story that never comes up again. And I guess it's just to make us hope that Julie wins and she isn't the obvious villain here. Yeah, because Mary didn't even react. So that had to have been a sob story just for the audience. Yeah, Mary and Delinda were too busy making jokes about faking orgasms, making you good at poker, which, I mean, probably helps. And speaking of orgasms, Julie's like, hey, uh, things got a little loud next door. Can you look into that? And they're like, you know what? We've been kicking people out, moving people around. Enough's enough. We're going to handle this. No, they're not. Because they knock on the door and it's a porn shoot that is, for some reason, surprising to them. I mean, the entire time they've been dealing with porn stars fucking everywhere and when confronted with people clothed they're like ah enough's enough we're leaving i mean look that guy was slinging a fucking python don't get me wrong the the sideways head tilt from both mary and delinda really sold it well i also refuse to believe that delinda does not double back for a piece that's why mary physically pulled her away because and that's why i say that's why i say double back She's going to they're going to get in the elevator to go back down to the lobby and then Dylan is going to go, oh, shit, I think I left my cell phone in Julie's room and hit the floor button and stop one room short of Julie's. Yeah. And Mary's not even going to try at that point. She she did what she could. But if she's going to go back and and Delinda at least like laid the foundation for plausible deniability. So Mary, you know, OK, both teams did what they came for. Like, you know, it, it was strength on strength. Somebody had to win. Fine. You, you just got to tip your cap on that one. Oh, Delinda's going to tip her cap. Hey, don't know what that means. Exercise your listener to decode that metaphor. Danny's going to find young Jeff Sanders, our valet whose uniform was used to pilfer the Woody. And Jeff, he comes clean, says, look, Danny, I, I fucked up, man. I had a room service delivery to one of the porn suites and they invited me in. And yeah, man, I stayed for a couple hours when I got done. I went to get dressed and somebody had taken my badge and my clothes. I I'm sorry. I Am I fired? Like you get me, right? Danny, of course, man. What red blooded American male wouldn't do exactly what you did? Jeff's ecstatic. He knew Danny would get it. If anybody is going to get this, wouldn't it be Danny McCoy? Would have been Mike. He needed to get caught by Mike because when Mike's away from the harsh glare of reality and security, Mike knows that this guy is doing something that he wishes he could do and he's going to let it slide. Uh, See, Mike, especially because of the comments we got earlier, I think this is too far for Mike and Mike doesn't actually have enough of that level to go to. See, I think I think it's because Mike has small pee pee energy. I think I think I think secretly Mike, you know, Mike likes to talk a big game. And so that's where here, I think this benefits Colonel Sanders. But, you know, problem with Danny is he is routinely beating away women with a stick who are trying to sleep with him to get them to not do his job. So he's like, no, no sympathy. Mm, You know, a very good point. And it turns out, yeah, Danny wasn't the guy. Bitch, you're gone. 
but what an unnecessary rope dope by Danny to like let him think it was okay. It was very funny. It was very, it was very funny. But he need to be like, hey man, I totally get it. I understand being in your situation, but I gotta let but, you go all the same. Yeah, come on, man. You you already knew the answer to that question. And here's my note to Colonel Sanders. Do not cop to the full duration that you were in that room. Hours? If you tell me like so I decided to take an early lunch and hung out there for half an hour. Maybe I can look the other way. You know, if I'm Danny, like you've given me something to be like, hey, what was the deal with Jeff? Why isn't he fired? Well, you know, he took his break and he shouldn't have. And he knows better, obviously. But what you're going to do versus I mean, wouldn't there be like a paper trail with his supervisor being like, yeah, and then Jeff just walked off the job in the middle of his shit. We're like, where'd Jeff go? What the funniest part of all that, though, is I'm pretty sure if they open the door and go, hello, Jeffrey, would you like to join us? It will cost you your job. But think of the fun. Jeff would still be like, "Uh uh-huh. Yep. Let's go. (laughs) Adios, Montecito. Who needed this badge? Here you go. Like he is entry level position here. He's not losing a great career like he can go to any of the billion other hotels and casinos nearby. I think he's going to be okay. That's a compelling point, I think. But Jeff acts like this is the only thing he's got going on in his life. Well, until the story that he just picked up. I mean, the real problem is this is a high watermark for poor Jeff. Like it's downhill from here. Oh, 100 percent. He has reached his zenith in so many ways. I mean, this guy could fucking be the first guy on Mars, and this is still the best day of his life. Like, well, story story a one that he's leading off with at the bar is still going to be the porn star orgy. It's the old how do you know someone's a marathon runner? Don't worry, they'll tell you like Jeff's telling everyone like he walks into the bank and they're like, hey, what brings you today? Well, just 16 months ago, I was uh, caught in a porn star orgy. I'm like, "Okay." he talks about it for like 45 minutes. And they're like, sorry, what brings you into the bank today? Oh, I need to make a withdrawal. Also, also, I'm homeless because I lost my job and I'm apparently unemployable now, you know, on account (laughs) of this porn star orgy that I had and retells the whole story. I don't maybe bring your manager over here. I think I think he or she would like to hear about this. Wait a minute. You look familiar. During all this, Mike approaches Danny and says, hey, I've got this working theory. Two Caltech guys, they checked in. They're hijacking the signal and they're relaying the information to the cheat. None other than Miss Julie. So what do you say? Time that we formally counterman Casey's orders and go confront her. He's like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. I see. Danny should have known right then. Why did Mike bring up Caltech students? That's right. He just saw some rivals and wanted to fuck with them. His mind is clouded. He can't be trusted on the job right now. But Danny, sleep at the wheel. Should have picked up on that one. Listener, let let Judson break you off a little advice. If someone's talking to you about something and they add unnecessary descriptors about a person, they have an agenda. It's probably racism or sexism. But in this case, it's school rivalry. Just keep your head on a swivel. Which, to be clear, I respect. <laughs> I'm all about it, Mike. I think this was a great play. If, I, if I'm if i in the same boat and some dickheads from USC are the ones there, oh, we got our suspects right here, Danny. Backroom these motherfuckers. Let's go. If it's people from USC, you've already backroomed them before you bring it to Danny. Correct. One of them's backroom. The other one's in jail. They had it coming. 
I did, didn't know which way you wanted to go on this, so I had Metro pick up one. I backroomed the other. Both of them got a little bloody. I apologize for nothing. They looked like they were about to swing first. Well, I mean, we know they've got the strength for a bush push. Got to protect yourself. That was hurtful and unnecessary. I don't appreciate it. I think we're even now. I I can see how you might think that. <laughs> oh, the poor listeners have no idea what we're talking about, <laughs> and they never will. Bad news for Samantha Jane. She meets with parasitic corporate lawyer Kathy, who informs her that Hawaii, where they were married, not communal property state, since they had jack shit when they got separated, she gets half of jack shit now. Sorry. Yeah, it was a good plan until it wasn't for Sam. Yeah, I mean, this was like um, this is like sitting around with your buddies and bullshitting and you come up with a, a legitimately good idea and then ignore all like the rest of the details about having a good idea. The good idea is in retrospect, the easy part. Yeah, the execution's where it gets you. And she got executed. Womp womp. Sam makes it very clear to Kathy, however, that she doesn't, even if that $1 million offer is still on the table, which there's no way it would be, it's not about the money. Sam wants to make Casey suffer. And here's the part that I just, I don't get. I know we've seen that Sam doesn't want to be with Casey. We've never really gotten an explanation for the split. And this, like, continuing venomous direction just seems unnecessary. Or at least unearned. Yeah, I agree, especially because I think there was a different story you could tell there, where instead of it being about this pissing contest, she could be like, no, I can't take his charity because then he'll own me. Like, I'm not going to let him lord this over me. And look, that's still another expensive principle, but it's one that is supported by the facts of the show. Like Sam has always been that way. So you could just be like, hey, I'm not going to take his charity and let him feel like he won. Fuck him. I'm going to hang back in the cut and we'll see how this goes. Yeah, especially because the first time that we got introduced to Casey and he came back, like things seemed much better between them. There was no real reason for re-triggered animosity. Well, and like he's scared of her all the time. Like she dodges him, then he's dodging her. But for the fact that we don't see it as often as we saw the Danny and Mary shit early on, it would be that level of annoying to me at this point. For sure. Instead, I'm just like confused and like, what? Yeah, the the different directions they go with this are such polar opposites and such quick swings that it's it's not even worth really caring about. Which sucks because there's a lot of stuff they could do really well with it. And some parts they do. I think there's interesting meat on that bone that they ignore and just chew the same gristle over and over and over again. Speaking of gristle chewing, let's go to dinner with Ed, Jillian, and Director Martin. I'm sure this is going to be a perfectly chill, not at all awkward meal. Yeah, and also it won't be a meal because there's no food involved and Ed's... Ed and Jillian are both going to say, yeah, probably good on the champagne because Jillian hasn't eaten today, which was a weird throw in, but also great advice from Jillian. Like that's that direction is a dangerous one. But Martin's going to keep pushing champagne and and just real familiar with Jillian until finally he lays his hand on top of hers when they're talking about being done fucking on the beach in Santorini. 
And Ed has finally had enough and just says, look, man. You touch my wife again, I'll kill you. Why not ask the waiter to come over and bring over some apps? <laughs> I feel like there's a pathway out of this. Some chicken tendies there or something? A little... Yeah, get some edamame coming over. Like, ooh, like come on, come on, Martin, you're better than this. Yeah, he uh, he he went too far. Mike and Danny bust in on the Caltech guys, and they find them wiring up Julie with sub shit. Who cares? Fucking techno babble. Turns out, whoopsies, not actually for cheating because they're psych majors, and for their thesis, they're tracking heart rates of poker players and during various phases of the game. And they got all the players to agree to get wired up for this. And then Julius shocked and offended that Danny would think she was cheating. But when they busted in, the first thing that was said was her telling Danny, it's not what you think. So she obviously knew that what looked like was going on looked pretty bad. What did she think Danny thought that she was they were putting a fucking tripod vibrating belt on her for a weird orgy thing again? Like, like. <laughs> It's not what you think is, I know this looks like I'm cheating to win a poker tournament, but I'm not. And then to clutch your pearls 90 seconds later. Come on, Julie. There's only so many ways this goes. That's but also if all the players are getting this treatment, how did the not how did the casino not know about it? That I think is the more pressing question. I guess the answer in that is they have tried to separate the tournament and the players away from the casino. There's been very little interaction aside from, you know, a little $10 million pot. So I could I could see that they would not have brought everyone up to speed on this, especially because it seems like the college kids went to the players themselves and said, hey, yo, can we do this? It doesn't really seem tournament blessed, I guess is how I'd put it. This is not sanctioned data gathering. Yeah, this is this is a one off that everybody agreed to. Okay. I'll, I'll agree with that. I also think there's no way in hell the professional poker players are agreeing to it. Howard Not Leonard's a like, oh, chance. You can, I'll let you build a book on me during various phases of poker play. Zero chance. Even if the book on him is his heart rate never changes, he's not going to let anyone know that. Right. Because even the sl- a, a one beat per minute movement is going to be enough of a tell for him to be angry about. Unless he's playing 3D chess and he's like, yes put that information out there and then he's going to manipulate his heart rate erratically moving forward. That's that, that would be like the Phil Ivy, Daniel Negreanu shit where they like IV a bunch of Red Bull right before to fucking boost their heart rate so high that it throws it off for everybody else. It'd be like if Doyle Brunson had written mistakes into super system and everyone's like, fuck got to do what he says. He's like, you idiots. I didn't, you and I have this conversation once a long time ago of like, if I was a poker player writing a book, wouldn't I write a fake book? I mean, yes, I think so. But also two weeks ago, I thought we'd already covered this episode. So who the fuck knows anymore? Like, yeah, it was, it was on the first time we recorded this. It's, I think it's conceivable at this point. There are no new conversations that you and I will ever have for the rest of our lives. I since we got the corkscrew dicks and the corkscrew tails earlier, I think that was the final one that we had. Achievement unlock. No new branching conversation choices. Explored all dialogue options. All all adventures were chosen. Speaking of choosing adventures, Sam is going to choose violence coming up, throwing papers at Casey, yelling. Casey says, I, hey, 
I, you got what you wanted, man. You left me. You wrote the papers. I just signed them. You want to go to court and fight about this? That's cool. It'll only cost you, you know, your entire life savings and you'll still lose. But, uh, yeah. Okay. Sam is going to say the whole issue was trust, which, really? Yeah, the crux of her anger is that Casey knew the law and intentionally deceived her. That's not what happened, you fucking sociopath. He knew the law and offered you a million dollars he didn't have to, and you didn't research your own divorce. That's on you, Sam. And never wanted to get divorced in the first place. This, <laughs> I, we, I, I think we are as pro-Sam as you will find people in this world, but nah, darling, this one's on you. This is a big ol' L. Tough run for Sam lately. Danny swings by the suite of Ron Jeremy and a lady friend of his who were hosting the party the night before in the room where the room service kid got his uniform stolen. And he educates Danny on the prestige of the bronze. What he says, it's not about the money. It's about what it represents. Maybe you should focus your search on some of the other films that were up in the category and didn't win. Suggest one settles on the second, which is Dodgeballs. It's a it's a great porn parody name. It's pretty good. But how? In God's name, did they switch the order and not make it Lawrence of Alabia? Why don't we get Josh Dumel saying that? It's truly infuriating. Lawrence of Alabia. You have to think that Josh was just like, no, I will not, sir. I, I am a thespian. I did not kill Megatron for you to make me say this ridiculous ludity, sir. I did not watch my buddies die face down in the muck so that this fucking struffing, this Walter, fucking whore could waltz around Vietnam, that. man. Well, there isn't a literal connection, no, Walter, dude. face it. There isn't any connection. I think Stances and Practices for NBC was like, we'll give you one. We will not give you four. <laughs> Lawrence of Alabia is so good. You may have Adam Labia. You may not have four Labia. <laughs> it's such a, that's such a good poor name. Oh my god, it's such a good porn parody title. Is it real? Or did or do they just cook this up? Judson, I think we need to do some research. We're gonna open up an incognito browser. Yeah, I was gonna say. There there's an Instagram account of Lawrence of Alabia. <laughs> which we just we have to know. Uh oh, that's not where I thought that was gonna go. Okay. The look the look on your face is one of disgust. I it it's I'm not finding it. I mean, this is not an easily googleable thing, but so far I'm not finding one right off the bat. We are often quick, I think, to TM 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 ideas here. I'm I'm willing to leave this up to our listeners. If one of you all wants to produce a porn parody, Lawrence of Alavia, you have our blessing. We will we will hey free ad copy read. That's our promise to you. You'll get one. Yeah, not four. We'll give you one. <laughs> Before Danny can leave, though, our porn star friends are going to offer out a, a gracious hosting opportunity. 10 p.m. orgies just a few minutes away. You want to join it? No. Danny, consummate professional. He's not here for it. He bails. Says he just ate. You know, Ron Jeremy's thinking, well, so did I. But I mean, that doesn't stop me. Ron, Ron needs that stamina tank filled. Says the door closes. Ron's like, must have a small dick. I get it. 
I mean, I don't, I don't get it, but I understand it. Sure. Poor, poor guy. Must suck. No, that's a different room. <laughs> May suck. <laughs> Shall versus May clause. <laughs> Mike finds Howard Letter at a backroom cash game, just killing time between rounds of his $10 million tournament. Which is the, the har- most accurate poker thing we get yeah. on this episode, by the way. <laughs> yeah, listeners, in case you thought that was bullshit. These guys are so degenerate that they are constantly in cash game. World Series of Poker is not where the action is. The action is in the cash games adjacent to it. File, file that away for when you want to get your ass handed to you by some poker pros. Yeah, if, if you were ever trying to lose all of your money, there's an opportunity for you. Go during the World Series of Poker, play in a card room, get destroyed. But he confirms the heart monitor, which again, wild that he would agree to it. And when impressed, volunteers that, yeah, he did think it was weird that the school teacher read him like an open book. But and I respect this. He was very hesitant to talk shit. He's like, I don't know. I didn't really see anything. But yeah, that was weird. Yeah, do, do I think it's weird that some rando who has apparently never played before just beat my ass all day? I might have. Little weird. But I'm not I'm not saying anything's up. No. Consummate professional. Not just Danny. Also Howie. Game respects game. But as long as you're here, Mike, I'll stake you 10 G's in this cash game. Why don't you go ahead and pull up a chair? Huh? Huh? It's good. It's a good offer. And while this is going down, the producer is up in Big Ed's office berating him about the continued investigation, claiming Miss Julie is now distraught and beside herself with the trauma of having been confronted with the cheating scandal. And I am so sick of everyone being such goddamn babies about it. So is Big Ed. He's like, hey. Let me stop you there. I don't give a shit what your demands are. He's like, you know, I'm going to move this shit tomorrow. She's like, great. If you want to do that, good luck. If you want to keep it here, fuck everything you just had to say. And also, I'm going to put one of my guys in your TV truck. Because fuck you, that's why. Some real judo shit. I did love the producer after this was like, look, if she is cheating, I don't give a fuck. Hell, I hope she is. Good for her. You know why? Because that makes good TV. I don't care about poker. I care about television. That's what I'm here to do. Which, pretty reasonable point for him. Nice guy. I don't give a shit. Good father. Fuck you. Go home and play with your kids. And also, so does your casino. Like, I only care about ratings. In this instance, so should you. We're we're on the same team here, bud. Stop looking for a problem that I grant you might exist, but will only come to light. If you find it and will only hurt you as as well as me. I do think, however, and it goes unsaid throughout that poker nerds would have fucking figured this out. They, they would have been on their fucking message boards. You know, there was the Internet back then. Poker was absolutely booming and people would have figured this out. They would have been like she played. She, she played a perfect information game. That is impossible. She never fucked up. She never, you know, every big hand she entered. She won. Something's off. Yeah. And and I mean, anytime anybody that wasn't one of the known quantities won, it went down that road. Right. Like people, people lost their minds and tried to figure out how did they cheat? How did they do this? Until finally they would either have to just, okay, somehow you did it. Good on you. Or, you know, there, there was, there's been a fair amount of chicanery involved as well. I think they could have made the argument that, yeah, that was, happen 
years later, though, and at that point, months or years later, and the PR hit will be negligible. But the fact that that went uninterrogated seemed a little disingenuous. Agreed. But good on Big Ed. He's back to being a good boss, standing up for his people. Unfortunately, Danny leaves this little meeting and finds Mike slung up at the aforementioned poker table, albeit having just won a huge hand. So if if you're gonna fall off the wagon, you might as well fall off into a pile of cash. That's what I always say. It's a terrible catchphrase of yours, but it's not wrong. And that's why whenever I go out drinking, I just scatter cash everywhere. It it has really helped your popularity. It is extremely expensive. Well, that's what all this sweet, sweet podcast money is for. Cha-ching. Remember Spotify, if you're tired of Joe Rogan and his shit, you know where to find us. Even with this shit that we've been saying this episode, still way less controversial than that asshole. <laughs> Marty wants to come and clear the air with Ed. Needs to have a quick word. You might be surprised that Ed doesn't want to talk to him, but Marty insists. Says, look, you need to know this. Jillian was the greatest woman I've ever been with. Unsurprisingly, doesn't seem to help Ed's mood. He's hopped up. He's ready to square up now. Marty says, no, no, no. Wait for it. She's also the only woman I've ever been with. Ed, a little slow on the uptake here, finally realizes, oh, Marty's not looking for Jillian anymore. My man's gay these days. I was shocked. Pleasantly, though, shocked that we did not get some sort of homophobia in this scene. No, I we really I, I was right there with you because it felt like we were just right on the, the cusp of Ed taking a real bad line. I thought it was going to I could even see it. It was then Ed was going to get ugly, angry, like you say my wife turned you gay or some ignorant shit like that. And I was just not prepared. For Big Ed to throw his fucking body on the funeral pyre of the show. Luckily, not only did we not get anything like that, but we then also got Ed being like, look, man, I just don't want to look dumb in the commercial. I'm Ed, like a little, little smidgen of vulnerability out of our hero. It was a, a lovely little scene. And old Marty's like, I'm never going to let that happen to you. So Ed agrees he's going to head down there, shoot the commercial. But unfortunately, Jillian chooses this moment to confront Ed and his jealousy regarding her relationship with Martin. Would have been bad enough because it was the middle of the casino floor right in front of the cage. Unfortunately, she's in the shot. Cameras are rolling. But hey, comedic relief. I'll admit I laughed. I was I was amused. I got a chuckle out of it. I got a little chuckle out of it. I did think it was weird that she would be so offended by his jealousy when, you know, every morning like we... We we have done done this before several times, so. And also that seems like a, when dinner's breaking up, hey Ed, let me talk to you for a second real quick. Yeah, on the way home, we're going to have a little discussion. Not a storm off and then circle back anywhere from minutes to hours to days later. Again, time vortex, who knows? Well, we've wrapped up most threads, but Judson, there's still a Woody out there. Are you talking about the guy from Crossing Jordan? Nope, not. I mean, he's probably still out there unless he died on that show. There are two Woody's out there. Mm. Only one that I'm aware of being diamond encrusted. Danny's just going to poke his head into a couple cabanas out by the pool before finally finding someone getting a massage that it turns out is the 
director of the aforementioned Dodgeballs, asks about the Woody, and the director says, look, ah, that guy's a scrub. He's lost it. He probably pawned it off for insurance or something. I got nothing. When just then the director's helpful assistant, which was euphemized into so many things, appears just in time for Danny to realize, oh, that's the guy who stole Jeff Sanders' stuff. We get a quick little chase scene around the pool, our boys closing speed right back where we've been missing it, and a nice little hip check into the pool for the assistant. He's caught. We're going to get the Woody back. Everybody's a winner. Except for Danny, because his suit got wet from the splash. And it's pretty obvious that there is more than just chlorine in that water this weekend. Semen. <laughs> and, and probably a lot of piss. It is a public pool after all. Uh -huh. Indeed. Do you know anybody named Lester? No. Because this porn director's name is Les. I just feel like it's like one of those names that leads to some real serious nominative determinism. Yeah, that's that's it. There's a skis factor with a and it's at eleven. It's like pretty high. Maximum. You're min maxing your build if your character's name is Lester. There's there's only so many ways you can go. Loan sharking. I mean, it's crime. It's a life of crime. Or or just shit like used car salesman. Yeah, that's a that's a good Lester move. Shady to crime adjacent is your window. I think Manny this. The assistant of Lester's had stolen the award to give to his boss as a Christmas present. And I have to say, what a weird, weird gift. Hey, boss, here's an award you didn't win. Hope you enjoyed looking at it and being reminded of that time that your peers gave the award to somebody else. Yeah, I don't I don't think Manny really thought that one through all the way. But also, how did this motherfucker not show up on Video IQ when they told Mitch to run him? I get that he didn't have a record. He didn't match, but he's all over the fucking property. Yeah, you you take the, okay, this guy isn't an employee. Let's see where else he's been in the casino. And that they've established that's what Video IQ does. Video IQ is not face recog against the database. It's, are they in the casino right now? Yeah, that was some, uh, some poor play by the securities department. Mitch has some explaining to do. Mitch, Mitch was in his head, man. Mitch, Mitch was thinking some naughty thoughts. Speaking of naughty thoughts, the poker tournament has resumed and Julie does not seem the least bit flummoxed because she's making googly eyes at Danny while the cards are flying. Again, four people, $10 million, and she's making eyes at Daniel. He's not that hot. Like you got to lock in for a little bit longer. Oh, come on now. And I mean, you're going to get you're going to get to fuck Danny if you want. You just got to wait till the end of the tournament. You don't even have to win the tournament. Just wait till it's over and he'll fuck you. <laughs> he's already hitting on you. Like, yeah, he made it very clear. You think he's going to lose interest because you were busy with your poker tournament like some fucking nerd? Anyway, Mike has taken the producer spot in the TV truck, sent him down to the gallery to watch, I guess. I don't know. And we, the audience, get to figure it out slightly before our cast. Because you see, when Julie needs to fold, tech guy signals, signals her via a light on one of the cameras as we see her lay down a pair of sevens against Howard's pair of kings, which in and of itself is not a suspicious move. You know, there's tons of board texture that would make that work. But my note for the tech guy, if you're going to cheat, maybe don't make it a really obvious red button 
that you awkwardly mash. You've got 600 buttons in front of you. Make it a random one and then just casually fake hit seven of them and tap one. Yeah, you could tell that Goldberg took a, a few too many pucks to the head to where he wasn't thinking <laughs> right. Like the, the reaction times were slower than they should have been on this. So we crossfade to heads up play between Howard and school marm. He moves all in and Julius furiously checking the cameras, looking for a red light. Got to get that filled signal, but it's not coming because Mike's in the truck and he's finally cracked the code. Somehow he found out where Albert's nephew goes to school. I mean, hey, it would not be the first time that Mike went on some weird stalker runs on his own. So Jesus we, we've seen Christ. that before. But the school where he, Albert's nephew attends is the same where Julie teaches. So a nervous Albert can't hit the button and get exposed. And a delusional Julie calls Howard's all in. Now, look, she might go all in without permission. And you could credibly defend that as a move. But calling all in when you have nothing. And she knows it's a bad move because she's looking for the fold signal. Assume the button's broken. And and has told us that or told Mary and Delinda, you know, I learned by watching poker on TV. Ostensibly, you can figure out the basics, as they say on every poker broadcast, minutes to learn a <laughs> lifetime master. The other thing that I I'm shocked you haven't already gone apoplectic about Howard has her outstacked like nine to one. And yet somehow this is now for all the marbles. I, the only thing I could think of there is because I couldn't Zapruder it because of we don't see any denominations and poker tournaments routinely have weird fucking chip denominations that don't make sense. So like it's possible it's a question of domination, but it's the, the math is fuzzy as fuck. Howard has to push a literal cathedral of chips into the middle <laughs> while Julie is like juggling her last five. Like, I, I don't care what denomination nonsense you want to go to. There's been some color ups. I, I think it's pretty clear. So Julie, having seen no fold signal, is going to call. She's got a six eight of diamonds. Oh, Howie's already got a full house. Good news. She's got a gut shot straight flush draw. And wouldn't you know it, our girl hits it. She's the winner. Casey's headed off to Spain. Casey's never been to Spain. He's heading off to Spain. Uh, that was a slant sports night reference for Cause, you. Because Danny's never Cause, been to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was a stretch, but I. The Still problem is because joke. because I keep I've been fucking up all episode. I thought you were just <laughs> correcting me. And I was like, what did I get wrong now? Oh, no, I was I was trying to offer you a little a little treat. Well, I'll, I'll have a chuckle during the edit, at least <laughs> when I'm when I'm punching my dick for how bad I was during the episode. <laughs> Casey's headed off to Spain, putting a period at the end of the sentence that is his and Sam's now defunct marriage and. There's like some pseudo acrimonious haggling over a beanbag chair that frankly may or may not exist anymore. And then Sam's talking about like, well, there's that incident in Acapulco you wouldn't want people to hear about. And I mean, I was going to say like terribly embarrassing. It must have been straight illegal. You must have done a crime. Been, yeah. That's that's the only thing that would make any sense. But they have this little touching moment. He hands her his ring off his finger. She tosses it back, double down. She never would have broken his trust. Blah, blah, blah. And maybe we're done with that. 
Fingers crossed. I hope so. This this felt like trying to buy back some emotional reasonableness for both characters that didn't need to happen if you hadn't butchered everything in the last two episodes. <laughs> that that was that was bad all around. I feel like. But at least they had their moment. Hopefully this was their closure and we never have to talk about the relationship ever again. May he safely ride horses the rest of his days. Or really aggressively not. And we'll just off like a band-aid. Well, given how things went, that might have been the better choice. No, no half measures. <laughs> Julie is out by the pool with a beverage celebrating when Goldberg's going to walk up. Julie's like, dude, what the... What are you doing here out in public? Maybe not the best idea, Wink. Goldberg's going to say, look, man, I, I want my five mil. Julie going to take a hard line and say, fuck you. I didn't get a signal. I did that on my own. You think you're getting a full cut? No chance. God, that, what a stone cold killer Julie is. I mean, balls of steel on that girl. If your homework isn't on her desk when the bell rings, you get a fucking zero. I don't care what happened. No excuses. There is no extra credit. There will be no after school help. On time is 15 minutes late in Julie's classroom. <laughs> well, good news for Goldberg is he already made a better deal. Mikey's going to bring in the gaming commission with some cuffs. He's only getting one year for unlawful fraudulent acts. But you're getting the full six, lady. What would a lawful fraudulent act be like? That's an excellent question, Judson. I think just working on Wall Street, probably. I think I answered my own question. <laughs> Got him. It's really unfortunate for Julie because she made two mistakes. We had not produced our How to Crime podcast yet, but one didn't check Albert for a wire. Got to. I mean, got to get him in the right pool. there. Just right. push him in. You know, they probably could have had a parabolic mic on them as well. But two, don't admit to the criming in a way that will play poorly for the jury. Yeah. Just, hey, we're not going to talk about that here. Speak in very vague terms. If you have to speak at all. Goldberg, I have no idea what you're talking about. What cut? What are you talking about? I got cut. Was it from the, the little sticky things with the college kids? What are you talking about? Five million dollars? You want half of what? We've never met before except for the production meeting. Sir, why are you talking to me? Do I need to get security over here? Where where's that cute guy who gave me his number? He'll help me. Rip Julie. She gone. The episodes. Denouement. Everyone's gathered around a TV in the bar. They're gonna watch the new commercial. They're here to support Big Ed. As it rolls, it's actually mostly just footage of the various cool things you could do at the Montecito. There's hot people, there's golf, there's dice. And it's all narrated by Delinda. And Jillian looks over to Ed and inquires, hey, like, where are you, honey? Uh, Casey said they had to make some changes to looking to get the um, younger demographics or something. So instead of Big Ed getting the walk and talk to camera, it's D. Of course, she kills it. Blows a kiss to the camera at the end that cuts to a Montecito logo and a very weird speech bubble ass looking motherfucking picture of Big Ed waving. So first off, Marty lied to Ed because he looks dumb as hell. <laughs> Marty's dead now. But this brings up a question I had earlier. Why would Casey ever think it would be a good idea to have Ed as front and center of your commercial? Nonsensical. Just Delinda makes perfect sense. Classically gorgeous, well-spoken, 
everyone either wants to be with her or be her. I mean, I think you and I would love a Big Ed gambling sesh. 100%. But we are definitely in the minority of Montecito customers and what they would rather do. I Well, to be clear. Oh, sorry. It, sorry. It, what would bring them to the hotel? Yeah, I was going to say, if my options are be with Delinda or gamble with Ed, I'm going to take Delinda here. Okay. I'm obviously going to take hanging out with Big Ed. Hi, Ashley. Hope you're enjoying the episode. Oh, does she still listen? Uh, you'd know better than I would. Narrator. She does not. <laughs> Wisely, everyone scatters before Ed can lose his shit. So he just sits there by himself drinking. And I've been there, man. Been there. We we get a forlorn. Mine was better out of Ed as we go to the scene. Whatever you got to tell yourself to get through the night, Ed. It's fine. But did you like the episode, my man? I did. I, I enjoyed it. You know, the the Casey Sam stuff wasn't ideal. But beyond that, I thought the episode as a whole was great. Uh, I enjoyed having the second run at the podcast on it with you. Uh, how about you? <laughs> did you enjoy this version better than the last time we did it? Uh, I, I agree with everything you said. No notes. I'm, I'm going to save everyone time. Carbon copy. Easy does it. But do we have a new chip leader? As a reminder, our current standings marry on a 3x win. Ed, Danny, Sam, Delinda, and Mike. And I'll lead off with, I think the only person who gained chips in this episode is Delinda. I, I'm i intrigued. I the, the initial answer is I don't have a new chip leader. I think we definitely have some movement, but I'd, I'd like to hear more, Judson. So I think Mary, taking it in order, I think Mary had a stressful day at the office, but handled it fine. I think no movement. She's going to retain the chip lead. I think that's correct. Ed was a great boss this episode. Love to see it. But he spent an eternity on a television shoot only to be cut from it, except for the part that makes him look like a buffoon. Tough day at the office for Ed. And looked like an ass in front of his wife. And yeah, it, it was bad times all around. Danny mostly treaded water. He solved the Woody crime, but his suit got wet in the process and he lucked into it. And I know we disagree on this, but I'm a process guy. The fact that fucking Manny, the assistant, basically fell into his lap was not something Danny could take credit for. I'll give him credit for the closing speed, but I think Danny's treading water. I, I think that's fair. And and while I won't punish the lucking into it, I will punish the potentially very unforced error of going against what your brand new boss told you not to do for zero gain. Yeah, great point. Sam lost what she believed to be half the Montecito and declined a million dollars along the way in exchange for maybe a beanbag chair, assuming Casey actually still has it. So spoiler alert, she's plummeting to the bottom of my list. Yeah, she's DFL. Delinda killed the commercial, which is basically her only meaningful work on the episode other than looking at a big old crank. So that's where I have her coming out ahead. And look, Mike was right about the crime. But again, a crime that no one wanted investigated. And he took a long way to get there with a number of number of missteps and would have been fired if Big Ed had not gotten involved. Like producer was there like I want some butts and not like in the sexy Las Vegas way, but the angry Top Gun way. And it was definitely going to be Mike on the chopping block, not Danny. Com completely agree. And uh, crippling we, we, poker addiction. Yeah, we elided over it, uh, you know, as as they were perp walking Julia away, Mike starts to want to explain to Danny about, oh, this was a one time. And Danny's like, hey, you're good. 
slip ups happen. I trust you. You're you're a big boy. You can handle yourself. Which, you know, addiction goes a little deeper than that. But well, I I don't think it will come up again with Mike's poker deal. But still, this is maybe not a, a great thing for Mike. You know, the good news for him is Sam had such a worse episode that he's gonna get promoted. Yeah. By default to one above last. So I have it as Mary, Danny slipping past Ed, because Ed just had a rough outing. Not really Danny didn't do much, but Ed fell past him. Delinda, Mike, Sam. Ed still ahead of Delinda? Correct. Yeah, I I think that's exactly where I would put it as well. I like it. Well, congratulations, Miss McConnell. I don't have the records on this, and I absolutely refuse to check, but as a four-time, you know, four-consecutive winner, you're either at or approaching the all-time lead for consecutive chip leads. Which I think was hers already. Gosh, it's just, I mean. Who, if you could have gone back to season one and told me that that was possible, I would have scoffed in your face. Especially when you consider we, I also would have told you, and by the way, Sam is going to routinely finish last. Yeah. That That's almost more kids- shocking to me than the than Mary being at the top. Yeah, that's that's how you know that we're running an honest ship, kids. We do not let our biases take over. Because otherwise, Mary would have been off the feature table long ago with no shot at redemption. <laughs> Ed, we've got a segment on this show where from time to time we talk about someone who's done Vegas exceptionally well. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take a moment just sit right there to flip the segment on its head and pillory someone for doing Vegas exceptionally poorly. Oh, go on. And that is the producers of the Las Vegas season three uncut and uncensored DVDs. Because how in the fuck do we get a porn star convention? All this talk of people fucking everywhere, being fully nude where they shouldn't. And we don't get a single nip, much less some snatch or some dong. Nary a nip. This shit is defo censored. I want my money back. Completely cut. We, we have been lied to. You're right. I, well, we don't know if it's cut or uncut. That's the thing. It was censored. I knew that joke was going to happen right after I said that. And I still walked into that bear trap because, well, listeners, as I'm sure you've learned by now, I'm a fucking idiot. A bear trap's a hell of a way to get a circumcision. So <laughs> be careful with that. <laughs> Got it. Nailed it. Oh, speaking of big willies, what's on tap for next time? <laughs> next time on Pod at the Montecito, bait and switch. It's never been steamier in Sin City than when Danny and Ed check out some amateur sex videos in order to catch a crook. And Sam and Mary search for clues as to Mike's secret identity as a male stripper named Hot Chocolate. Except it has been steamier. The previous episode with the porn stars. Well, that's that's why they both cut and censored this episode. So that next episode, when they don't, ooh, it's steamy right here in Neon City. And even if you meant literally steamy, there was that whole episode where people were getting vapor locked in their showers. It has been both literally and figuratively steamier this season. Well, that's why it's called Bait and Switch. Oh, meta title. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Speaking of things I love, it's our dear listeners. I love every single one of them. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to all the musicians out there who don't sue us. You're really, I love you too. Y'all are the best, especially that 
It's a Dutch DJ who, who chopped up Elvis. I wanted to say Swedish, but could be. You're great. You're fucking great. You're, you're doing doing the Lord's work. Uh, if you liked what you've heard, and I don't know why, but you keep listening. So either you're a masochist or you do like it. Let somebody know about it. You could tell them in person, shoot them a link to our website or podcast directly. And you can leave a review. Uh, any one of the various places. If you let us know that you did that, uh, you know, we'll read it on the episode or read it on the show, provided it's, you know, maximum stars or, or points, whatever your various system is. You can email us pod at the Montecito at gmail.com. Add help them out there. Letters, corkscrews. <laughs> call that a callback. I call that a duck penis. <laughs> Engage with us on Twitter at Montecito Pod. That one definitely starts with a duck dick. You can use the hashtag Las Vegas for Peacock because y'all, as we alluded to earlier, not looking good. Nah, clock's ticking, y'all. We got we got rookie numbers. We need to bump up these numbers. And the way we're doing that is if the show hits the fucking platform. Just make sure you uh, leave James LaSure out of your social media carpet bombing. He is very sensitive. Would like to focus on the work. No more talk of butts, Mitch. Eyes on the prize. And until next time, I've been Judd. He's been Ed. And this has been Pod at the Montecito. Yes. God, what a train wreck I was. You, re- I really do not think you were as much of a train wreck as you think. It was very funny. Mm-hmm.